Connie here doing a quick intro for our show today. We went to DreadCon, we spoke to a bunch of people, including the founders of World of Wonder and a bunch of queens. So, enjoy. Okay, is that on? Yes. Awesome. Okay, I'm Ingrid Trost. Uh, we're here with WNYU. We have a little radio show about drag. Um, so, can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, I am Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder. And I'm Randy Barbado, uh, co-founder of World of Wonder. Beautiful. Um, so you guys met at uh, the NYU Graduate Film Program. Um, do you have any advice for NYU students as they make their way through their college careers? <laughs> well, the advice we'd have is quit, <laughs> because we didn't. We neither of us completed the Graduate Film Program. I mean, it was great. Actually, no, seriously, it was great. It was in the old campus that was over on Seventh Street and uh, First Avenue. And Randy and I met in the lobby literally the first day, and we just knew we were going to work together. And um, I think, you know, the, the graduate program was, what, four years long? Three years. Uh, and uh, quite exp super duper expensive. And so um, uh, we, we quit to go and become pop stars. And the rest is... is not <laughs> not no, we would not advise people to no. quit. <laughs> no. At least, at stay least, in uh, stay in school, at least stay. undergraduate school, because yeah. we were in graduate school. But NYU, um, the, the NYU gave us the, the greatest gift we've ever had because that's where we discovered drag. Because we, uh, right around the corner from where we were at school was the Pyramid Club, and that's where all the drag queens used to perform. And Fenton and I would cut classes. Don't cut classes. Particularly <laughs> our editing class for whatever reason. We uh, cut that class all the time. And we'd go around for happy hour, and we met so many of the drag queens oh who we gosh. know today and that's when we discovered that like it felt like we were at the red carpet of the academy awards yeah. like they just felt like the biggest stars and they entertained us and they educated us and they were our teachers wow that is beautiful um so are there any skills that you would that you learn at your time um Okay. Words. Um, are there any skills that you learned from your time at NYU uh, that have proven useful in running a company? I think so. I mean, I think because actually, I think making films is is not the easiest thing in the world, and it's complicated, and it depends on the cooperation of lots of people, and shit is always going to go wrong, and there's never going to be enough money. So the lesson is just do it. It's just don't stop. Don't let anything stop you from just doing it because uh, it, it's all about perseverance and stick with itness. I think, really. Totally. Yeah. It's rare that I say something and leave you at a loss. Well, I was going to oh. say <laughs> that that the biggest lessons often are the biggest failures you have mm -hmm. or the things that go wrong. And that's what prepares you the most because nothing ever goes right. It's so funny at World of Wonder, we have so many amazing people who work at World of Wonder, so many talented people, and then they'll be like, you know, I'll ask a question like, blah, 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 do you, is this, how's this going, whatever, and they'll be like, fine, fine, and I'll look at them thinking, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's like getting people used to the fact that things go wrong. It's yeah. okay for things to go wrong. You, you figure it out. And at NYU, we were poor. Fenton and I were really poor and we were trying to make these films and we couldn't, we were like hustling. We're still hustling. We hustle all the time. Hustle. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. Okay. Um, so 
even prior to Drag Race, you guys get interested in the drag scene by being around drag queens. Um, you guys produced a lot of documentaries, it seems, and feature-length films uh, relevant to the subjects. Uh, what were your first experiences like? Um, so at the Pyramid Club, you said. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, one of the most formative moments for us was probably meeting RuPaul. I mean, uh, we were in Atlanta and uh, there was this extraordinary figure, hundreds of feet tall, wheat-pasting posters of himself uh, that said RuPaul is everything. And I think in that moment, we immediately recognized an extraordinary talent and superstar. And he, he was so um, fully formed. He was, he was fully baked early on. He had such clarity. So we, we, even though in many ways we were doing different things, Fenton and I always loved the New York club scene in the 80s and we were so inspired by it, but we always had daytime jobs. Yeah. So we, you know, we knew the club kids, we knew the drag queens, we would go out at night, but we'd always get up in the morning because we had to pay our rent. And we weren't really like party monsters. We hung out with party monsters, but, <laughs> um, and so all those people inspired us and we, you know, in some cases we documented them with, um, you know, one of our first documentaries was Party Monster, which was about, which was meant to be about the 80s club scene and club kids. But then the horrific murder of Angel happened, and so it also became a crime story. Um, but I don't know. I'm rambling, Fenton. Can you put a like period at the end of my non-sentence? Yeah, a button. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, in addition to your work on the, uh, relevant to the drag scene, you produced and directed works that pertain to like the trans community, real estate, or. Um, are there any other subjects that stand out to you as something you'd like to cover in the future? Well, you know, it really is a, a world of wonder. I mean, and that, you know, it's a cliche to say it, and that's kind of like why we like the name for the company. But it's also fundamentally true that the amount of things that are interesting in the world are almost infinite. And we just uh, do the things that sort of excite us and res we respond to. Um, but what in the future? I just think more, just more, more, <laughs> more of the same. You know, well, not the same because not the same because that's the thing about drag, is that, you know, you're born naked and the rest is drag, as Rue says, and so every drag queen, they're not, you know, it's not a, like a Coca-Cola factory where all the bottles come out the same. It's like each drag queen is a beautiful, unique creation. So it's it's an infinitely expanding experience yeah. and infinitely for us anyway mm -hmm. fabulous and fascinating and just amazing we are often attracted to um, people or subjects or ideas that are that are overexposed but um, misunderstood under revealed, under -revealed. Um, you know we've just finished a documentary for HBO called um, Liberty Mother of Exiles which is about the Statue of Liberty and weirdly it kind of fits in with all of our other work because it's about this icon who who we think we know but we don't really know and we sort of tell her story and 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 it's she's an, an immigrant she's a drag queen and she was originally a muslim woman so i mean there's more to her story than you know yeah 
Yeah. yeah, that is a button. That, thank yeah, you. But, <laughs> um, so you mentioned World of Wonder. Uh, is there a story by how you came to that name? Um, it's super catchy. I think it was like I was a comic book or sort of. Um, we ripped it off. Okay. <laughs> Don't sue. <laughs> Imitation. Um, what made you decide to produce Drag Race when you did? What was it about 2009 that said the world is ready? No, it was nothing about 2009. It was just that's when finally we managed to get a green light to make the show. Oh my God. Because the, 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 the sad truth is, or the reality is, that most of the ideas we pitch, the answer and response is normally no. And yeah. then we'll go away, dust it off, call it something else, bring it back, and it's no again. So, uh, as Randy likes to say... No is the beginning of yes. No one has ever said yes to any of our ideas. That's good advice for all the people at NYU. No doesn't mean anything unless it's uh, in a dating environment. But, <laughs> well, yeah. in a, like, but in a a pitching and work environment, don't like people say no to us all the time. And and drag drag race and a vehicle, a, a big TV show vehicle for RuPaul. Um, it, it just people weren't ready for it. And even when it was on the air, there were some people who worked at the company where it was on who just thought it was like filler. Wow. It's really hard to imagine like coming to DragCon and thinking of it as being filler. Like, yeah. Um, so. Well, I'll tell you another story because we, we were managing Rue yeah. and we sent, we, managed, we we were, our mission, our task was to get him a record deal with Supermodel, which is demo. Yeah. Every single label rejected it. Every single label. And the only one, the last, we were almost like, this is not a good situation, well, yeah, uh, was Tommy Boy, Tommy Boy Records, who were actually more known for rap and hip hop. So when they called, we thought it was a prank call uh -huh. because we're like, why would Tommy Boy? But they did, and thank goodness they did. Yeah. You know, because who knows? For those of you who are listening right now, I'm finding it hard to focus because out of the corner of my eye, I can see Laganja Estranja in the most amazing, look at her dollar outfit. It's outfit. a dollar Dying bill outfit. It looks dollar. so authentic. Oh, oh my God. How can you focus? This is what I love about drag. It's oh my God. I want to touch it. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Oh my God. Um, So you have produced several shows that have like many seasons, hundreds of episodes. What do you think is the key to keeping a show relevant and engaging for so long? Well, I think in the case of Drag Race, for example, it isn't, it looks great because of the contestants' visual imagination and creativity and boundless energy, but it's really about as Rue says, the tenacity of the human spirit. And it's really about heart and strength and courage and and the and I think that's what keeps it going. Because I think if it was just looks and if it was just wig, hair, heels and makeup, I'm not sure that it, it would last. But the truth is it takes a lot to get out of bed in the morning and leave the house. You know that doesn't you know, it takes a lot to do that. And I think it's that it's that energy that people find compelling. Mm -hmm. and, and, and hard work. I mean, mm -hmm. I think, for, 
from the drag queens to like, we have like amazingly talented people at World of Wonder. They all work really hard. No one takes anything for granted. Like finishing a season or finishing an episode or finishing a challenge, it's like people are on to the next thing and cracking it and Rue will be like, what's under the hood? What's this really about? And so I think it's just, it's surrounding yourself with people who are committed to making something that will have an impact and will go sort of balls to the wall to make something work. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, thank you so much. Just last question before we let you go. Uh, favorite story from DragCon? Mm -hmm. And favorite thing? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such a difficult one. Um. <laughs> it's hard to pick. Well, um, it's not. <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> um, oh, I can't remember her name. I have too many drag con stories. Um, I brought my kids here since they could, well, since before they could walk. And, uh, Last year, my one of my sons, uh, we were in around the kids area, the kids zone, and they they had little dresses for girls. And one of my sons was like, "Oh my God, I want this! I want this!" I'm like, I found myself being like, "Really? I'm not sure." And then there are friends of mine standing around me, like, you know, you, like, this is your event. You're dragging. <laughs> you're asking. You're trying to persuade. So, like, within minutes, Henry was wearing a dress for the rest of DragCon weekend. Oh, my gosh. And my, and my son, who's 12, his first job was working the booth, the World of Wonder booth. Good. And he loves it. Oh, my gosh. Child labor. Oh, just a little bit. I don't pay bit, him. I don't hint. pay him. It's interning. I wish my first job was here. I made well, sandwiches. Send your, send, oh, send resumes to World of Wonder. Ooh. Worldofwonder.net. Thank you so much. Can you introduce yourself for the listeners at home? Hi, I do declare my name is Blair St. Clair from season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. So Blair, I was a huge fan of yours during your season and I've noticed that I think your aesthetic has evolved quite a bit from what you showed on the show. Can you talk about a little bit if you agree with that sentiment and if so, what led to that evolution? Absolutely. So many people have made the comment that I've had a quote-unquote glow-up, which I think is funny, but I definitely think it's, it's true. I think, so when I entered RuPaul's Drag Race, I was doing an aesthetic of drag that I was kind of taught and that I loved, and my style has evolved as fashion evolves. You know, fashion's always changing, always evolving, and I think people are always changing and evolving, so my style has kind of changed along with it. And um, I'm in love with fashion, as a lot of people know, and I found that not all the looks I love to do or my physical aesthetic needs to be retro or vintage, but I can find those elements cycling through in fashion. I'm always trying something new and trying to do something new. But also, in addition to that, I left Drag Race a new person. I felt like I really freed myself on the show by um, opening up and talking about my experiences with sexual assault and just, I felt like I left that girl at the stage of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I almost felt like I wanted to not reinvent her, but physically I felt like she was evolving in, as a stronger person. And I felt like that physical change was kind of happening w with what was happening inside. You grew up in 
uh, Indiana, right? Yes, I grew up small town kid, Midwest in Indianapolis. And from what I read, you were a theater kid. Oh, huge theater kid, especially a musical theater kid. I actually got my start in drag from being cast in a musical in La Caja Fall, and I was like, wow, this is something I love, singing, dancing, acting, hair, makeup. It must be a career for me, and I became a drag queen ever since. When you first started out, what was hardest for you? The hardest thing for me was about finding my identity of who I was as a drag queen. Because as people, we have identities. You know, we, we kind of find out who we are in the world. And I think as a drag queen, I wanted to have that same persona. I wanted to find out who I was, how I felt, who was Blair St. Clair to the core. And it took me a while to really find who she was and how she differs from who I am out of drag. So you do a lot of live singing in a industry that is a lot of the time associated with lip syncing. Does that add a different, does that, I guess, give you a different approach to lip sync numbers when and if you do lip sync numbers? Yes and no. Uh, drag is typically, has been certifically known for a lot of lip sync numbers. And I do lip sync many times at shows to songs that I love to dance to, to perform to. And I also do my own songs as well with my own voice that I've recorded and um, as, because I'm a recording artist. So I, I love doing both, both are very different. And it's kind of about the vibe and the feel to me. Because I think with singing, it's showing a deeper emotion sometimes because you're really connecting to your own music and your own words and your own feeling and what came about the song. And also lip syncing to other people's music is kind of about celebrating how you interpret their song. So it's a different feeling, but I love doing both. Last two questions. Uh, one, are you a pizza fan? Absolutely. So when you're in New York, what is your go-to slice of pizza? Um, all the meats. Specifically, I need pepperoni, sausage, and bacon, and a lot of cheese. A lot of people look at me and they're like, Blair, do you eat? And I eat more than anyone I know, honestly. So whenever I'm in New York, or even Chicago sometimes too, pizza is always on the list. And then do you have a, other than pizza, a go-to meal for New York that you cannot live without? Oh, wow, because all... All food in New York is great, but especially diner food. I know that sounds strange, but if I can find a 24-hour diner open in New York City that's open late at night, because normally I'm working until late at night, that I can eat afterward, that is usually the prime spot to me. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So wonderful talking with you. Can you introduce yourself to the people at home listening? Hello. My name is Brooklyn Heights, the queen of the north from season 11 of RuPaul's Drag Race. So what was your first exposure to drag? Uh, my first exposure to drag was probably when I was about 15 years old and I went to school down in the gay village of Toronto and I had to walk through the, the village every single day to get to school and there were drag queens out and about performing in the bars and all that stuff. So that's the first time I ever saw a drag queen. Was it love at first sight or did you grow to love it eventually? I mean, I was a little scared at first because it was something new and I thought it was, I was raised very Christian so I, I knew that was probably wrong and evil and all of that bullshit. Um, but I grew to love it very quickly. I. I'd say that your time doing ballet has influenced your drag, at least in terms of presentation. Oh, yeah. Would you say that vice versa is true, that your time doing drag has influenced your ballet, and if so, how? Um, not really. I mean, I, I do way more drag than I do ballet now. Yeah. Do you ever have any plan to go back to ballet? No, God, no. Really? Why oh, not? Because no. I'm old. <laughs> and uh, ballet is a young man's game. I mean, I'll always still dance in some capacity, but I'll never be a professional ballet dancer again. I would never want to. 
When is aging out of ballet typically? I mean, like, usually they're done by 40, and I'm 34, almost 34, so I, like, I only have six more years left, really. You don't look a day over 25. Thank you. <laughs> so you've done pageants in addition to club and bar shows. Yeah. Do you have a preference over the two, and if so, why? Um, uh, probably club and bar shows, because pageants are way more stressful. <laughs> What's the most stressful part of a pageant for you? Oh my God, the whole thing, like getting everything together, paying for it, worrying about what the judges are gonna say, like just it's all, it's a very stressful experience overall. Do you have a proudest accomplishment so far? Yeah, my proudest accomplishment is winning Miss Continental in 2014. It's the biggest drag pageant in the world and I was one of the first boy queens to win it in almost 35 years at that point. Go you. Yeah, so that's probably my biggest accomplishment I've done. Cool. So two final questions. We're in the land of pizza. So while you're in New York, what is a pizza that you can't live without? Hawaiian. Ooh. People have very strong opinions on Hawaiian pizza, but I it's like my favorite. And then also while you're in New York, pizza withstanding, what is a meal that you can't live without in general? Can I say pizza again? <laughs> um, <laughs> what's a meal I can't live without in New York? Um, oh, street tacos. Okay. Yeah, or a pretzel. Street pretzels. How do you feel about American attempts at poutine? Uh, not great. Not great. Why don't they get right? It's usually the cheese curds. You have to use cheese curds. They use grated cheese, and it's just not the same. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Cool. Do I sound like a woman? Always. You were like, define woman. <laughs> <laughs> so can you introduce yourself to the people listening? Well, if you couldn't tell by this illustrious vocal, this is the one and only Miss Laganja Astranja. So I have two first questions. Okay. First. I love it. You're coming with a double toe. What was your first exposure to drag? My first exposure to drag would have been through my sister, who's been an amazing role model for me. And it probably would have been, but I'm not a cheerleader. Although Rue wasn't in drag in that one. Hmm, my first exposure. Okay, probably Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. That was the first time I really saw someone in drag and understood what it was. Was it love? 14. Was it love at first sight for you? No, no. I mean, I, I've always been attracted to drag, but it was never really something I honestly thought I would do. I was trying to be a dancer and choreographer. And that's what I was getting my BFA in. So yeah. this was something that it just kind of chose me. How did, what made you take the leap and do it? Well, I think when you realize you're calling, it's hard to ignore, right? So as much as I wanted to be just a you know choreographer, I realized that I was really good at drag and that it would push me and challenge me as an artist. So I think uh, I just chose to dive in because it felt right. It felt like I was what, you know, what I was supposed to do. Gotcha. And then the second first. Everyone that knows about you should know that you're a cannabis advocate. So what was your first experience with it? My first experience with cannabis was actually very much medical, which is pretty cool. Um, a lot of people, you know, smoke recreationally first, and so they don't really understand that even then there are medical benefits. But for me, uh, the lens in which I was smoking was my best friend in college, or actually high school, named Lauren Glenn. We were seniors uh, choreographing our senior piece, and she was like, you know, I think we should go and smoke before rehearsal. It'll really help us, you know, be creative. So as I'm saying, you know, the first exposure to it, it wasn't to get high or to escape some feeling, but in fact to enhance our already uh, innate gifts. So for me, I think it was just an amazing first exposure. Now obviously I did go on to use it recreationally after that, um, but in the beginning it was solely for creative purposes. Cool. So how do you feel perceptions on cannabis has changed, at least throughout your lifetime so far? 
Well, I have been in the industry, the cannabis industry now for six years. And I would say that it has changed a lot. Uh, do I think there's still way more growth to go? Absolutely. But like any good plant, you have to nurture it. You have to see it all the way from seed to bud to you know the sold product. So I think we're just in the middle of our growth process. I think that with people such as myself who are coming forward and being advocates not only in the cannabis industry but for LGBTQ, we're seeing more and more acceptance. In fact, this was the first year that many cannabis companies released a product for Pride. So nine times out of 10, they just slapped a rainbow on it and only did it for one month. But I was actually really lucky to partner with Fruit Slabs, which is a organic, vegan, gluten-free, and for my Jewish folk, it's kosher certified too. Huh. And we created a product that's actually offered year round because we believe you should be proud always. So I'm, I'm excited. I think, you know, like, like I said, once more leaders such as myself really get in there and, and make sure that our voices are heard, we're going to see it open up. Yes. So you're part of uh, quite esteemed drag family. What would you say would be the thing that ties all of its members together? I think what makes the House of Edwards really stick is that we're all fierce performers. We all really know how to dance and turn it out when it gets you know, up to the stage. Uh, I think what makes Alyssa and Shangela so special is that they are incredible on the mic. It's definitely something I'm always working on every day to improve that skill of mine. But I think the thing that we all three definitely share is, is our dance abilities and our performance. No tea, no shade. Is there anything you feel that you excel compared to them? Um, it's very hard to compare myself to Alyssa and Shangela. I've done that for many a year, and I've actually tried to break away from that and learn that what I do is just as important and just as beautiful in its own way. So uh, I don't have anything that I think I'm better than because I think, like I said, it's all about learning from the people who have come before you, who have a bigger platform and a stronger voice. So I just try to take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah, That's a great way to think about things, actually. So last two questions. So when you're in New York, what is a slice of pizza you cannot resist? Um, I know, it's so funny that New York, I guess, is like pizza, but I always think of Chicago as pizza. When I think of New York, I think of like 3 a.m. Indian food. Okay. That's like my favorite New York dish. In fact, I got it last night. So I love that you guys have late delivery here and you can literally get delicious stuff at any hour. So then you would say that when you're in New York, your go-to meal is Indian food? I would say when I'm in New York, my go-to meal is tikka marsala with a garlic naan, a batsami rice, and a yellow dal. Okay. and then I, I like to be specific. Okay. And then I guess I, as a New Yorker, I should ask this question. In and out or Shake Shack? And if so, why? Neither. Whataburger because I'm a Texas hoe. All right. That's pretty good. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome, sweetheart. <laughs> okay. Can you introduce, your, introduce yourself to the people listening at home? Hey, everybody listening at home. It's me, Akira Chanel Davenport the body of season 11, top four all-star, maybe. So what was your first exposure to drag? Um, my first exposure was drag, to drag was actually for Halloween. We had a turnabout show. I was doing um, male lead shows at first, and then I was asked to do a turnabout show, which were at, where the guys would get in drag just for Halloween. And that's how everything came about. How would you describe your aesthetic at first? And would you say that it's changed much as years have gone on? My aesthetic at first was very drag on a dime. <laughs> my aesthetic now is drag on a little heavier dime. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're part of the Davenport family. Yes. What's one thing you think unifies all of you? 
Um, we love to drag in the shows. All the Davenports love high drag. No matter if it's dancing, the costumes, the hair. Well, obviously, as you can see, but clearly, I'm. You know, you're only listening. Uh, but you know, we just love drag and over the top drag. So you've done a lot of pageant shows, yeah. and you've done bar and club shows as well. Do you have a preference over the two, and if so, um, which one? Well, I love pageantry because you're in a, a moment of competition. You're on stage and you're displaying looks that you've worked on for such a long time. When you're on the show, you're just allowing yourself to be free. You're not being judged. You're not in a state of competition. So you're just allowing yourself to be in your element at that point. When you first started doing pageantry, what came easiest to you? Um, losing. <laughs> <laughs> when I first started doing pageants, I was losing left to right. So that's the easiest thing that came. Um, but it allowed me to help find myself and what it was I wanted to be as far as a career Davenport. I didn't want to be, you know, just another Davenport. I wanted to have my own name as a Davenport. So it allowed me to find myself. What would you say is the thing that makes you different from the rest of the Davenport? Not necessarily better or worse, but different. I don't dance. <laughs> so I'm definitely not, uh, the Davenports have been known for, you know, uh, dancing for a long time. They even have the Davenport dolls. Not one of them because I don't dance by far. Um, I would say that's what sets me apart, and you know, I, I would call myself an airport diamond. So I'm more the one that's always going to shine without having to book the house. Now. Got you. And then two last questions. Sure. When you're in New York, what is a slice of pizza you can't go without? I haven't had any pizza since I've been in New York. Really? <laughs> wow. Okay. Then the second question I'll ask is more relevant. When you're in York, what is a meal you can't live without? I've been trying my hardest to find a meal while I'm in New York. I've been getting Uber Eats, <laughs> and it has not been a good experience for me. So Why is that? But I, Oh, wait. I did have Dallas Barbecue, and I enjoyed that. Um, the, food was, the food was good, but the drinks were amazing. <laughs> As always. Well, yes. thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Go.